Happy holidays from the Barons, whether it's Christmas, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, wherever you're doing a day, even if you're, even if you just think, hey, it's all a sham, and I'm just here for the food. Shout out to you too. And this will be episode three of Rolling with the Barons. Uh, I expect this podcast to be a lengthy podcast. Uh, this is the offense. I would break it down. Uh, offensive moves, uh, our plans going into the season as far as how we'll be moving. Our offense, our acquisitions, vibrations already, 45 seconds in, I'm sorry. Uh, our acquisitions, our draft picks, everything, so... Uh, and I'm not going to do this one like I did the last one, okay? Uh, this time, I'm just going to go by position. And when we get to that position, all the storylines, we'll talk about all the storylines for that position. And then when we get to the players, I'll talk about how I acquired that player, whether it was this season, last season, things like that. That at least make this a lot shorter than... What I think is going to be. I really feel like this is going to be a lengthy podcast, okay? So, first and foremost, all right, anybody who knows anything about the history of the Barons knows that the Barons' bread and butter has been offense. Offense, offense, offense. It was one year. It was one year where... The defense, one year before me, where the defense was stellar. I, well, I'm not going to say stellar. It was, compared to the other years, it was stellar. But it was, you had, to, you had to consider it. That's what I would say. You had to consider it. They had players on the defense. You couldn't just come in to Brooklyn thinking that, okay, we're just going to run it up. All right? Now, all the other seasons... Sorry, I had to take a drink. All the other seasons, defense, shambles. Borderline shambles or shambles. The offense always kept the team competitive. <clears throat> the offense always kept the team competitive. All right? And with that, even with me taking over this team, and no matter how much I say, hey, look at my defense. Like, no one on my offense, surprisingly, like, we'll talk about that. No one on my offense made it on Noah's list. No one. Even though Barons are known for offense. And our offense was, our offense wasn't bad. We were a productive offense. We might have been predictable. It might have gone to a point where we got predictable. And there were times where I didn't always make the best decision for what we should have done. I learned that. I learned that. When I was when I was in my when I was still being the old, yeah, I can just do this, I can compete, I've been winning these games. Like we was like six and one. Like, yeah, I'm out here, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. When I was still in that mindset, I felt like I could just do anything I wanted to do and it was gonna work out. Now I was just gonna keep it pushing. But then once I started facing how can I put this? Once the competition got steeper, because I don't want to put it on just, like, the coaches that I face, even though the coaches that I face 
were great coaches, their teams were great as well. The competition changed. And, like, for me, like, I saw Justin put in uh, one of the rooms. It might have been in the debate room. It was one of the rooms where it's like there's a lot of NRC teams that have, like, great offenses and their defense is, like, trash, like, super trash. And he's not wrong. There's a lot of them. I'm one of those teams. Like, and I felt a little salty, but at the same time, like, I really thought about it, and I'm one of those teams. So I can't be mad. Like, that, it is what it is. Like, the Barons' history of that is eight wins because of their offense, eight losses because of their defense, if you really, really look at it. So it is what it is, but I saw that and I peeped that. And then when I looked at the beginning of my schedule, no disrespect to those coaches, there are teams like that too. So honestly, all my defense really had to do in those games was kind of play like just just make some stops. Because it's already the impression that we're just going to get ran over. Same with the opponent's defense. It's already the impression we're just going to get ran over. It's just going to be whoever makes the most stops. And at that time, my defense was making the most stops. But as we progressed into playing more complete teams, we saw where we were lacking. We saw where we were lacking. And that's what it came down to. At the end of the season, as far as RFL history, like, all of that, the, the the coaches on those teams, how long they've been there, the way they put the teams together, like playing more complete teams really hurt us down the stretch because we weren't as complete of a team as we thought. But as we played those complete teams, we learned the things that we needed. You know what I'm saying? And that was something that we had to learn. It, it was hard. It was hard taking L after L, but it it, it had to be done. It had to be done, and I let just the I let the I let the win with the Thunderbirds make me feel like I can just do anything. And regardless of how everybody else feels about it, I really felt like I went in there with a legitimate plan because it was it was the Thunderbirds. So I'm looking at it like I can't be BSing right now. I have to put my all into this, and that's how I went into it. And we squeaked out a win. Like, I'm going to say we squeaked it out. We won. I don't care whether we squeaked it out, whether we ran the score up. Either way, we won. And that's how I look at that. You feel I me? Mean? But it's like, as I, because that happened, I just felt like I could just do, I, I was Mr. Know-it-all. I knew it. I could just put, I could put whatever scheme in. It was going to work because I thought it was going to work. And I had to learn, like, not only are there better teams than mine, I knew there were better teams than mine, but there are better coaches than me. Like, I had to accept the fact that there are better coaches than me. Like, I'm coming in this ticket, like, I'm just going to just run through it. I'm going to use same boat this, and, like, nobody's going to be able to keep up with me because I've been doing this for so long, but I had to learn. And it was good to learn. And from that learning, and from what it made me think about, and research and things like that is the decision of why I've decided to go the way that I'm going with not only defense from the last podcast, but the offense, especially the offense. And that's why I think this is going to be a lengthy podcast because I have a lot to talk about. Like the first thing that I'm going to have to talk about might take 30 minutes itself. We'll see. We'll see. All right. So, 
just jumping right into it. First position, quarterback. As much as I've been saying that offense has been what's been the Barons, more than that, Jack Winkler has been what has been the Barons. He has. Jack Winkler has been what has been the Barons. And Jack Winkler is an outstanding, he's a great quarterback. And I feel like he'll never get the true respect he should get. And as much as that is, like, as much as that, as much as I feel bad about that, I can't feel bad about that because I played a part in that as well by letting him go. But I felt like that was best for the team. Like, when I really, really, like, when I really thought about it and I looked at it, like, contract-wise, the money, what it would take to bring them back, and it was just, like, to put it in real-life perspective, even though we don't really like comparing our league to that league, it's like, Drew Brees is all I could think. It's like, yeah, there's the possibility that you can get the right things around it and, like, maybe one and done it, get there and win it all, but it's like, for the foundation of actually building a team team, like the Saints, that team around Drew Brees, it's been hit and miss. It's like it's either all on Drew Brees to throw for 5 million yards despite his defense or every once in a while they just happen to get a group together that holds it all together. And when you look at, how the RFL is set up, the teams that have won in the RFL, that's not going to work at all. And it's not. It's not going to work. You can have, if you don't have your quarterback on a team-friendly deal, it's just going to, it's just going to kill your team because you'll never be able to balance it. You'll never be able to, you'll never be able to put the same amount of effort into both sides of the ball. And I really don't like not being, I don't like being pigeonholed to a player. And I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, but you just gave Ethan King this many. I don't feel like I'm pigeonholed to him because I really, really, really wanted that person. And that person is, what, 23, 24? Like, this is a young, when he gets to the end of this contract, then he'll be what, like twenty nine, thirty. It'll be a whole different conversation. Like, and he'll be a ninety nine because I'm building him, so he's going to be a ninety nine. And then we'll be looking at him like, hey, it's a twenty nine year old ninety nine. And then you guys will be paying three hundred million for him. And then what? But that's another story. All right. But with Jack Winkler, Jack Winkler was in mid thirties. I think it was thirty four, thirty five, and it was like, guy, when I. Jack Winkler was nice. Jack Winkler was nice. But for the setup of the team, which I take responsibility for, he wasn't the guy. And it's not because he wasn't nice. It's just as far as how we were set up and what was best for our offense. It's like, 
for the personnel that we had around them, it's just like it's not going to work. And it's more so, it's more Madden-ish than it is him-ish. It's like, it's certain things, like throw style. Like, one of the biggest things about Jack Winkler that I really, 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 really disliked, disliked, is his throw style. Because whenever it came down to we're taking those deep shots, his wind-up was so long. And then at that, the ball, he had the power to get the ball down the field, but at the speed that the ball traveled into, well, in comparison to having a guy on the outside that we have that we will talk about later, it was just like the chemistry was off. And I know there's other ways. There are several ways guys can be used, but when a guy's best way can't be used, it takes away from all the other ways that he can be used. And I know, I know, I know, because <clears throat> even with his ability, even with even with his ability being the slant specialist, like I understand what Amari can do with the slant. I understand what Amari can do with the slant, like off the line, especially no press, like free release off the line. I catch it. No one's in the middle. That's points. Like I understand that, but the damage Amari can do with just you press me at the line and I beat it. Now it's just me and you one-on-one and you got to recover to my 99 speed. Like that Amari, I'm going to get to that. All right, so with Jack with Jack Winkler, I felt like with the confines of our offense and the players that we had or the players that we were working with, things just weren't working the same way as if they would have worked with Brinker. All right? So once I felt like things were out of reach and we were just kind of grasping that hope, that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to play Brinker. Like, there's no point. Like, if I'm not a grasp at hope kind of guy, I'm not a, like, I know it's fight to the end, da-da-da-da, but I felt like once we lost the game to the Marshals as far as positioning, as far as competing, as far as record, all of that, like, even if we won out, I just felt like we weren't even going to make it, like, we weren't just lining it up, looking at it, and then if we did make it, we would be one and done. I, I just felt like our team wasn't ready to compete at that level, and there were changes that had to be made. And I know everyone might not agree with that, but everyone's not always going to agree with you. You learn that. So you just have to let your actions speak louder than, than that. You have Sometimes you just have to show people. People be like, nah, 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 that was wrong, that was wrong. And then you do what you have to do, and it works out. And then people be like, ah, okay, I understand. So sometimes this is how it has to be done. And I think this quarterback situation is one of those things that had to be done. All right? And we get into us, the acquisition of uh, Ryan Brinker. We got Ryan Brinker because we once had Sanchez Lawrence, and we traded him to the Condors for a second-round pick. We, in turn, later traded a second-round pick for Ryan Brinker from the Marshals, who are now the Wizards. All right? When you see a team always have success 
Like you, you, you know, the Marshals were one of those teams that you had to, even if you weren't looking to watch the Marshals, they were a team that you had to watch because the team that you wanted to watch had to play the Marshals. The Marshals are just one of those teams. Like they're always around. They were always at the top. That's how I noticed people. Like that's how I noticed uh, Damian Parks to even begin with. It's like the Marshals and the Gunners. Those were the two teams. Like where the Gunners were always nice but it's like even when you weren't looking to watch the gunners or even if you weren't looking to watch the marshals the team that you were looking to watch were playing those teams and you couldn't help to notice those teams that's how i noticed been ready like you just couldn't help you couldn't help it that's just how it happened all right so we got brinker was one of those guys that i watched i just liked him like he had an arm like he was he he was going to throw it he believed in his throwing ability and that was just something I liked about it. It was something I liked about him. He might not it might not have always put his team in the best situation, but I think it was just a matter of having the right type of weapons for the type of player that he is. You know what I'm saying? Like he had guys, but I feel like if he had one, if he had different guys, and then two, like, if he had, like, I know, like, his first season, I'm not really sure he had a coach his first season. I'm not sure. And then I know he got injured, so he was kind of out. But then I know when he got benched for uh, Frazier, and then Frazier did his thing, like, I still feel like the defense always carried the marshals, even though they had good players on offense. But Frazier did his thing, whatever. And then it got to the point where it was uh, it got to Tyler uh, Agramonte, who was a guy who I really, 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 really wanted. I really, when I first became a coach, I really, 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 really wanted him. But it was like I had Jack Winkler, and I don't want to sign this guy as a free agent behind Jack Winkler when I'm already investing this much money into Jack Winkler, especially if I'm going to re-sign Jack Winkler. Like, that was my thinking going into this. So it's like, I really, really, really wanted him. But when I saw him go to the team he went to, I was like, okay, I can either get Brinker or I can get Frazier. And it was an easy decision for me, like, just because I don't know what it is about Brinker, but he just never got any respect, no matter how hard he played. Like, just as many times as he may have lost a game, he's won the game. Like, that's one thing that I really, really respect about Brinker. Just as many times as he may have lost a game, he may have won the game. And that's him being young and just learning how to move. And I think now, like, with him having a guy who, like, fully, like, believes in him, like, I don't... I don't know if he had this before. I'm not sure, but I just know how I feel about this guy. I feel like he is a legend in the making, to put it lightly. Like, I feel like Brinker is a guy that, as fans watch the RFL over the years, they will see. Like, Brinker is that guy. Like, I think he's going to be like, I don't know who, I don't know who I can, I don't know who. I don't want to say, I'm going to say, it's hard to put it because I can't think of a guy who's going to play the way, he. I'm going to say Donovan McNabb. I'm going to say, I'm a, if he can be Donovan McNabb, I'm not going to be mad. If he, 
just from the way that we plan on using him this year and the way we plan on building him and the way we plan on using him in the future, if he can be a Donovan McNabb, if he can be a, a Dante Culpepper, I don't, I kind of want to say Steve Young, but I don't want to say if he just be that guy who's mobile enough. Because this is the league where everyone's faster, everyone's spread, everyone's rushing. Like, your quarterback can't be standing. The statue days are over. You can't just be sitting back there. If you watch everyone who's been competing, everyone who's at the top of the league, like, majority of those guys have mobile quarterbacks. Majority of those guys have mobile quarterbacks. Quarterbacks who can take off, who can make the plays on the outside. And... With Brinker, we're taking a different approach with him because even though he has the ability to move around, I think underrated athletic ability, he's a pass-first quarterback. Most of these quarterbacks are run-first quarterbacks. But we're working with Brinker as a, as a pass-first quarterback in a more quarterback run scheme all right oh which i forgot to say at the beginning so let me go ahead and announce that now we will be working with uh we will be working out of the pistol offense a lot we will be working out of the pistol pistol offense a lot uh we've narrowed it down i can i don't care i've learned that the good coaches in this league are going to tell you what they're going to do and it's up to you to stop it so we're coming out. We're using the Ravens playbook on offense. Uh, that we know. We're still working on our defense because there's so many different things that we can do. But on offense, we, we've we been working since the beginning of the offseason with the Ravens playbook. Back on 20, moving on to 21. Nothing's really changed. Like We've dibbled and dabbled in other books just in case because we know there's other books that we can definitely work with. Like I know we can work with the Oakland book. Uh, the Arizona book has been okay. I know we can work with the Tennessee offense. I know we can work with the Eagles and the Chiefs offense. Like there's a lot of different the Tampa Bay offense. There's a lot of different ways that we can attack. We just feel like the best way to attack for our team, how we want to be successful, and how we feel like the game is moving is to use the Ravens offense because. We bring an aspect to it that most teams who use this book don't, and that's we have a pass-first quarterback who has the ability to make the to make the read read the option like and and most usually when quarterbacks read or usually when coaches and teams use this book, uh, the read option is the primary weapon in that offense, and it's like like you know you have to come and think like okay we gotta stop this because. Passing the ball is kind of later down the list. But when we use this offense, the re-option is like the last thing that's on our list of things to do. But it's still something that you have to worry about us doing. And I think that's going to really change the dynamic of this playbook. It, to me, it really does. Just from me using it with the different quarterbacks, which I'm going to bounce back to, uh, I can really see the, the difference in how the – playbook works how the schemes work and i like it i really like it and i feel like we can be uh really 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 effective with it uh and from that knowing that from the minute the season ended like we built our team 
around that. Like, we build our team around that, and you'll see as I go to discuss the different pros prospects that we picked up and things of that nature, how much we work towards uh, making this making this come into uh, fruition, I guess you would say. So, all right, bouncing back to our quarterbacks. All right, we have Breaker. All right. So we picked him up from the Marshalls, who are now the Wizards. He was somebody who I really liked. He was somebody who I really, really liked just watching him as a fan and somebody that I felt like he just needed someone behind him. I, I just always felt like every time I saw Brinker, no one was really behind him. Like, no one was was willing to grow with him and understand, like, how he plays, how he moves. And he was just a guy that I felt like not only, like, for this year, but, like, just for the future, like, I can see him retiring as a Baron. Like, he's a guy that I just really, really feel like could be a star in this league. And with the changing of the guard with a lot of older quarterbacks, there's a lot of quarterbacks who need that chance to step up. And I just feel like he's that guy who can come from. He could be that, I guess, that Brett Favre that, oh, he was on, a, he was on this team and Things happen this way, but then he got traded over here, and all of a sudden he just turned his franchise around. He like to go from the Falcons to Green Bay is the same way he's going from uh, the Marshals to to the Barons. Especially if you look at uh, the divisions and how the teams are built. Like so, hey, we'll see how it goes. And I think the way he plays is very far as as. He has that arm. He believes in that arm, and we believe in it too. And we have the weapons around him who can help him capitalize on the fact that he believes in that arm. It's like, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But we just feel like with the weapons that we have and the talent that he has, that Brinker can be a very successful, successful quarterback in this league. And the price that we're getting him for is a steal. Is a steal. All right? And then behind him, we have my guy, KB, Caleb Brown, all right, coming into his second year. I drafted him last year. He was he was my quarterback. He was one of my quarterbacks in the game. He was my starter in the game when I was coaching the Beats, like before the college series became like a real college series. Like, And shout out to Smitty and Mix and RFL on that. Just on just from guys who've been here just to watch the, the transition of how the RFL have grown. Or has grown. So it's like, that's great. That's great. But when it was, uh, when we did that, when the prospects came in that year as uh, different teams, and I was the coach of the Beats, and I played against Bill. I can't remember what co what team Bill was coaching. I'm sorry, Bill. It was, it was years ago. And I played so many games. I just remember who I was because I'm selfish. All right. But I can't remember. I just know the Beats. And I remember we won. That I remember. You probably don't. But I remember that we won. <laughs> All right. And Caleb Brown, KB, was my quarterback. Right? And, like, I just saw so much potential in this guy. Like, I love this guy. Like, I started him. Like, it was a guy on the – it was a guy on the uh, – on the, on the roster who had a higher overall than what he had. But I just felt like he – it was just something about KB. I was like, nah. He has to start. Like, this is the guy. And he went out, he performed. It's like he put up two touchdowns, even though he did he did throw the two picks. But it's just like me, just from me watching him and how the picks happen, it was like those are things that as a coach you can help coach up. I just feel like he was a guy. He's a guy that if something happened to Brinker and 
I put them in, we still going to win. And it's like, we're coming out. Uh, I know you'll see a lot of KB in our preseason, uh, in our preseason action. So get ready for that. And, uh, He's a guy that I really, really trust. It's like coaches always have that guy that they really, really trust. Like even though I brought Brinker in, and I feel like Brinker, I feel like Brinker is the guy. But I feel like you have to have that guy behind him that you trust no matter what. Because if you don't have that guy behind him that you trust, like there's no telling what can happen like with your team. And like KB is a guy that I feel like. He will continue to grow in this league being young. Like, this is his second season. Like, being young, he'll continue to grow. And he'll be – I want to keep him a baron for life. Like, but he's a guy that I just feel like we can work with. And if something, if something happens to Brinker, I feel like we could put KB in and we'll continue to be successful. We'll keep it going. Just like how uh, you put in uh, uh, something happened to LC3 and you had to put in Bane. Like, I feel like if something happened to Brink and we got to put in uh, KB, we still going to the reload. Like, it ain't stopping our shine. You feel me? Like, I really, 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 really like KB. You feel me? Like, I really like KB. And he, was my first, he was my first QB. I got my first, quote, unquote, to me, RFL win with KB. So, like, I rock with KB. That's my guy. That's my guy. All right? So, those are our quarterbacks. Those are what we have on our roster. I am looking for a, a QB3. Uh, I know. I know. Coming in, this guy is going to be QB three, so it might not be the highest, quote unquote, overall. Like we're not going out here trying to snatch a stud off the market or nothing like that. Just a guy, uh, hopefully another young guy that uh, we can continue to mold. And if something happens, like you can never be too safe. Like I know it's hard to keep guys like that on the practice squad, but if it's a guy that we can mold a guy that we can watch and then keep on the practice squad or a guy that we can keep on the roster depending on how we can get things lined up. If it's someone that we, if it's someone that we feel like we really, really, really don't want to lose, then it's somebody we can keep on the roster, then we'll make moves around that. But we're, we're looking. I have a couple guys in mind. I don't want to say them quite yet. Some of them are other teams. Some of them may... Uh, drop into free agency or be somebody or be some people that we may be able to snag off of other uh, guys' practice squads and then test them out. The only thing about that is that once you get them off the practice squad, you got to keep them. So it's like, all right, I don't want to snatch too many guys. Like, I can only really snatch one guy. So it has to be somebody that I really, really take note of. So <clears throat> we'll definitely be tuned into the RFL preseason games to see. Uh, just how quarterbacks are playing, like especially like, especially as the as the sliders get adjusted, you want to see a different group of guys in comparison to the guys that you have, different ratings, different styles, just to make the best comparison for the best way for you to attack. So things like that are important. So that's what we want to see. But definitely looking towards picking up another quarterback, uh, uh another quarterback to be our emergency quarterback. All right. <clears throat> So next, let me take one more drink. Hold on. All right. Next, we're moving on to halfback. All right. Noah, I don't know how. I don't know how, Noah. I don't know how. Even if it was number 100, like, which would still be a disrespect, 
But I don't know how. Kenny still did not make the top 100. I don't know how. If you have an explanation, if you, if you, if you, no. If you could explain it to me, be my guest. I didn't want to press you. Mix had already pressed you. I don't want to be that guy, especially because my team not nice like that. Like, that's the champ. That's that's one of the AFC's, the, the ARC's best. Like, I'm just the Barons. So I didn't want to just be running up on you. Like, hey, hey, what about my guys? But uh, I got a lot of gripes. I got a lot of gripes with the, uh, like, not one guy on offense. Like, even if it was just one guy, this is the one guy who should be that on the list. High at that, but I understand. I understand, and we'll see what your list look like next year. We'll see what your list look like next year because my locker room is fired up. My locker room is fired up. That's all. That's all I got for you. That's all I got for you. So we got my man, the man of steel, the man of steel, Kenny Steel, number thirty-four, the best. Running back in RFL history, I'm I'm saying that the best running back. When you look back, whether it's ten years from now, twenty years, the best running back in RFL history is going to be Kenny Still, and it starts this year. I mean, it's already started from first year he rookie of the year off eight games, and then the next year he makes the Pro Bowl. Like he ain't getting no hype. We ain't getting no hype for that. We should. We ain't getting none no. But I peep, I peep. Just know the story is unfolding, and it's only going to get better. It's only going to get better. Kenny Still is an all-around, all-purpose, the best all-around, all-purpose running back in the RFL. And if you got one better, let me know. Let me see it. Put the stats up. Let me see it. Let me see who, who, if you had to pick a back that you knew had to be in the game, first and 10, you hand it to him on the draw, you think he'll pick up 10. Third and inches, you need that guy to pick up the, the short yardage. Or fourth and goal, you need this guy to pick up the short yardage. Or it's third and 17, and you need to throw the screen. You know, I love that screen. You got to throw the screen. Like, who name who who is that back in the RFL that you are picking over Kenny Still? Who? Let me know. Somebody please tell me. Cause I've been dying to know. I've been dying to know. But I y'all got it. You see Kenny Still. All right, coming in, workhorse back. Even though how I explain the next guys I talk about might not make it seem like that. Like, Kenny Steele is going to be our workhorse back. Of course, we're going to have him on the rotation because we got to keep him fresh. So, it's been, it's it's really been a, a conscious effort in comparison from what we were working. How the players that we had last year to the players that we were working with this year is definitely, uh, it's, it's definitely, uh, a result of what I've learned as a coach over the year. That's what I can say. It's like, and I'll get into that with the next when I get into those guys. But Kenny still, I feel it's the guy who will become the face of the Barons franchise as now Jack Winkler has left. 
now, like I, I know everybody might be expecting it to be Brinker, but I really feel like Kenny Still is the face of this franchise right now, and this season is the season that he will emerge as one of, if not the best back in the RFL. I'm gonna keep saying it. I'm gonna keep saying it. Like I don't know who like. Y'all keep comparing them to these people. Y'all gotta take out for certain plays and certain situations. Like I don't never have to take him out. Like he gets tired and goes out. Like he he can always be in no matter what we're doing. I can say, hey Kenny, we need you, and he got it. Like can your running back do that? Like tell me another running back who can do that. Like I'm looking for him all over. Eye emojis all in the chat. Where he at? Ain't one. Well y'all got it. Y'all keep. Y'all got it. Anyway. So, with that being said, Kenny Steele will be a workhorse back this season. You will see him in all aspects of the game, whether it's passing, whether it's running, whether it's on the blocks because we want to go deep. Like, you will see Kenny Steele making plays, being the same guy that he has been, the third down king, the guy like you don't want no smoke with this guy, and now he's going to be even more of the feature. Like, one of the biggest things I was worrying about was, like, with Jack Winkler being the guy, being the 99, can I feed Kenny like I want to feed Kenny, trying to keep the balance? Like, now, in hindsight, I probably should have went more Kenny first to balance off what Jack Winkler was doing. But when you think ratings, you just think like, hey, man, this guy got to be the guy. But now I've learned. I've learned from that. So now I'm thinking about as far as how this team needs to move. It's not about... What their overall is is about how this team needs to move. What's best? What's the setup? The unity, the chemistry. All right, so that's how I'm picking it. And right now, Kenny still is the guy. And the thing that I like but don't like is that he got the overall upgrade. Like he already played above his overall, but he jumped up three overall with this uh, change of direction, which is going to be bittersweet because I'm gonna have to resign him, and he's probably gonna be a ninety, and he's gonna be like twenty seven. So it's gonna be like, all right, do I really want to do this? But we'll worry about that then because you still Kenny still, and you can't just be letting people go like that. You feel me? That's still. Kenny still it hurt it hurt but I'm happy because now he's gonna be even more of a problem even more of the problem that I knew that he was going to be and I can keep building his power because his power is still at the same kind of level you feel me which that's what I've been doing trying to keep them balanced but now I can keep building his power up and he'll keep getting better but his money won't keep rising as high even though he's at 85 now. So that's going to be crucial. That's going to be crucial. All right. So now we're going to move into the depth. All right. First, we're going to start with Mike Choi. Mike Choi the third, but for this Madden, for some reason, we can't do the third So or the three eyes. So it's Mike Choi right now. But MT3, rookie from last season, a guy that I really, really liked. I peeped him in the college series. I liked how he moved. He's somebody I got in the later rounds, and he was very, very productive for me. Like, when he got his chance, like, he he made plays. He made plays. Like, so he's a guy that we definitely brought back. Uh, We let go of uh, Jordan Navork, who ended up going to uh, the Lancers now. Uh, It's like, we had the Lancers and the and the and the Barons. We got a connection, man. It's 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 something about that K in the middle, man. We just we just got a connection, man. So Jordan Devore having to go to the Lancers, and then Daniel Atunde. 
he might be a free agent. I'm not sure somebody picked him up. He might be somebody we bring in for depth. I'm not sure. It really just depends on if he's still practice squad eligible, which I'm not sure. You feel me? But we will see how that goes. All right. So from that trio, Mike Troy won the competition like unanimously. Uh, I do feel like uh, Dvorak did get kind of set back because of one uh, injury early in the season, and then two just how the team ended up unfolding. Uh, we he didn't get as much rotation on third down as we would have liked him to get. Uh, so, but we've been working on that schematically for how we go into it for the next season and the guys that we put in those third down situations. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, so speaking of that, uh, we brought in in free agency uh, Carl Meredith. Now, Carl Meredith is a guy who is nothing like what we had in the backfield, and that's one of the big reasons why we brought him in. All right, and... The last game we played was against the Elks, and they just happened to just keep running on us with these super fast guys. So it's just like that just stood in my head. That just stuck in my head in the game. Like, just Marshall just running on us with these super fast guys over and over, and they just racking up yards. It's just like we might have gave up, like, 700 rushing yards that game. Like, everybody was just rushing. It was like, this is not us. Like, what is going on? And it was just something about that that just made me want to get, like, a back like that. And we just happened to find one in free agency in Carl Meredith. All right? Uh, he Easily the fastest running back on our team. And it's more of a balance of <clears> – <throat> It's it's more of a balance of how fast he is. It's not just like oh he has super, he's super fast, but his acceleration is eh, or his agility is uh. It's like a it's a nice balance. One or two points separate them all, and I think that was a good that was a good contrast because Kenny still is already an exceptionally quick fast back. Like underrated quickness mixed with underrated power. Like, Kenny can get loose. And I think having that and knowing you have to go with that and then having the relief to that be an even faster guy or an even shiftier guy. I don't know if I want to put it as shiftier yet, but I'll say an even faster guy, a little more burst just knowing you have more speed to contain. So bringing that, we wanted to bring that in just to – Get it. and we wanted to bring that in just to have a different change of pace, more so than uh, slowing the game down. Sometimes you can speed the game up, and he was also a guy that we can use out of the backfield in them third down situations. So, and he will be he will have the speed of another receiver, honestly, in comparison to what most running backs bring out of the backfield. So, especially on those like angle routes, those Texas routes, like. Those quick ones out of the backfield, them, them quick flats when everybody's already running deep. He's somebody who can get the ball and get up the field and get a little more yardage than the average running back would get. So that's always good. All right. So, and then lastly, we drafted my man uh, Trevante Nickerson, or I call him Trey Five. You feel me? Like, and the rookie. The rookie has impressed, man. The rookie has impressed. We picked him up because he gave us Kenny Steele vibes. And as we as we've used him in uh our training camp sessions and our practice sessions, he continues to give us those same kind of Kenny Steele vibes. And it's like I've noticed one thing that I try and it's been kind of working for me is trying to find my guys 
and the guys that I bring in for the future. Instead of looking for just like not necessarily like the best guys, but it's like once you get into more of the okay, which guys are best for this and that, like once you get out of the oh, this guy's just talent wise better than this guy, like the first round crew or so and so, it's like I just start looking for guys who I feel like resemble my guys. And I feel like same way with the last podcast, how I talked about DB being like, yeah, I feel like Nickerson is a lot like Kenny still, and he brings a lot of those same qualities, and I can switch him in and out, and it's kind of good to 34, 35, like I can, I can switch him in and out, and I've liked what I've seen. Like I like what I've seen. We'll definitely get him more reps, more game action in the preseason. Uh, we definitely want to see. It's definitely a competition. It's definitely an open competition at that. Like between Meredith, between Troy, and between Trey Five. And as I would rank it right now, I would say it's Troy, Trey Five, Meredith. And that's not what I expected with Meredith having the higher overall. And that by five. But it's just like scheme-wise, certain situations, how we want to use guys, you have to learn that. And I've learned that in certain schemes, Meredith is better than in other schemes. But it seems like consistency is more with Troy and more with Troy 5 when I use a variety of schemes. So we'll see how that works through the preseason. Uh, I know he's the guy that I cannot trade because I just signed him and... He might end up being a cap casualty. We'll see. He might end up just being good depth. I don't. And somebody I can let go uh, in the future. But he still has a chance because even though he's not leading the running back play, he's still uh, in the running for special teams. I like the burst that he brings, especially for someone who can be on punt return. Uh I would hate to waste a spot on a guy, especially or a guy of such high overall on just special teams. So we definitely want to try to find ways we can work with different packages and things like that. But it's like on special teams, he does have a chance to compete uh, with a few of the wide receivers that we'll definitely talk about later. And we've actually put Mike Troy on some punt return. But I think that would be more of an emergency option. We'll look at it more during the season when we get down to our final 53. Because we'll definitely be adding more players at every... I won't say at every position. We'll look to add more players at every position in the preseason. But it also depends on... I don't want to waste any money. Like, if we can get them... We'll also be looking to add guys with limited uh, cap penalty. Like, that's going to be key. So... Just in case these guys don't make the team, we can let them go at little or no cost. But if these guys do make the team, they will be worth what we would have to let go in that situation or the spot that they would take just in case we had a cap penalty on that guy. All right? So next, we move to uh, fullback. All right, now, this was one of my favorite, favorite, favorite offensive pickups, but it was one of the ones that I kind of kept low-key to most people. Like, my guy, my guy, Mitch, my guy, shout-out to Mitch. Shout-out to my man, Ugly. You feel me? The ugliest man in the world. You feel me? So, shout-out to him. He knew how I felt about this guy. My man, Patrick Watson, the fullback, a.k.a. the paddy wagon, sound of sirens, like, since I switched over to this 
Ravens playbook, like one of the biggest things I knew I had to get was a fullback. And one thing I knew I needed a fullback anyway, it's just because of how Madden sets up the depth chart on special teams. And one of the biggest things that I felt like was a weakness was your fullback was the first or like one of the blockers on kick return. And if your kick returner outran your fullback, Right, he was useless, but most of the fullbacks on Madden have like 29 speed. So it's like, why would you even? And so, if they even put yourself for us to put ourselves in a situation where not only we got a young guy, but we got a guy who was higher in speed, 80s in the speed, and then also decent with the blocking, but decent with the running, like having that balance of someone that we can build with him being younger to be what we need him more, but he's good enough at both. Like we, I've watched him make plays in camp on running plays to make the perfect block to change a three-yard run to a 40-yard touchdown. And I've watched him make the plays on the the re-option when you least expect it. The fullback is picking up seven yards on the fourth and one, like, or even on, like, a first down draw to the fullback or a screen to the fullback. It's just things that I've seen to, things that I've seen him do maneuvering through the fullback friendly playbooks and then bouncing back to the playbook that I knew I wanted to use. Cause sometimes you have to look outside your playbook to understand your playbook better. Like you have to see how other playbooks use those same players. Like it could be that same play, that same scheme. You just have to see how that's done just to get a better look at what your playbook is actually doing. So you know how to attack better. So just from that and seeing how my fullback could be used, it's like I really, really, really love this pickup, and I think he's the guy that we will continue, continue to build. And I hope I get a chance to sign him to a long-term contract. I don't want to keep one year, one year, one year with this guy, but it all just depends on Madden. I don't know what the max I can ask or offer him. I might try to offer him like a three or four and see if Smitty's cool with that. I gotta. I can't really think of it off the top of my head right now. I know we can't offer seven, but I still think if they ask for a certain amount, like we gotta keep it to that if it's in the resign. But we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I don't know. I just know that Patrick Watson is a guy who's gonna be a very big contributor for us as a blocker, as a rusher, and as a receiver out of the background, and. I think the fullback is very, very, very underutilized in the game right now. I think most teams in the RFL probably don't even have fullbacks. Like, I know the Lancers do. Shout out to the Lancers. Once again, get another shout out. This might be rolling with the Lancers the way it's going. But anyway, shout out to the Lancers. I know they got a fullback, but it's not too many teams who got a fullback that they really, really want to use. And we just happen to have one that we really want to want to use and we feel like it's going to be a very very key player for our team not only for his success but for the success of people around him including Kenny Steele including Ryan Brinker including our line for when he could pick up the block that they missed so they can move on to the next over to get somebody else like you never like the paddy wagon watch out that's what I'm going to say watch out for the paddy wagon alright next we are moving to our wide receiver core. All right. In our wide receiver core, first, first and foremost, 
we're going to start with Joe Johnson. All right. So now, a little bit about Joe Johnson. We acquired Joe Johnson from the Diablos. I think it was for our, for our first round pick. Yeah, for our first, I think it was like our first and our fourth round pick. We got Joe Johnson from the Diablos. Like he was someone who I liked when he was on the Snowhawks. Like he was a guy that I seen just, I seen him dominate some of the best guys. I've seen him dominate some of the best guys. And seeing him when he was on Diablos, he really didn't have that same kind of effect. Like, because when I was a player on the Shamrocks, when he was on the Diablos, like, he was a guy who I was comparing my guy to. And I was like, all right, and I, I couldn't wait to see him. But he wasn't having that same kind of effect just with that team. I don't know. That's above me. You feel me? So it is what it is. And it just happened to work out that I was able to put him, get him to my team because I felt like, yeah, we we're going to make this work. And the first two games, like, or the first game and a half, like, it was working. Like, you didn't want no smoke. Like, you didn't want no smoke. Like, we were throwing it everywhere. Everybody was open. We could run it, too. It's like we was doing it all. And then he went down. He got the, he got the fractured foot. And it changed the dynamic of everything. We lost him for a long time. We lost him for a lot of the season. And even though we did continue to progress, I just kept thinking to myself, man, the success that we could have had if he could have been healthy. Like, it, might, it would probably change the whole look of our team right now. So I don't know if it was a gift or a curse because I really, really love how our team is right now. I feel like. We can really, I feel like we can really compete for the reload, but it's going to come down to us giving it our all and me being at the top of my game as well. We're not just going to overall our way to the top. You know what I'm saying? So, but JJ missing the season was crucial to us. It was crucial to him. And when he came back, when he came back, it was kind of, I don't want to say it was too little, too late. We were just already at that point to where we were grasping for hope. And I'm not a grasp for a hoper. Like, I don't do that. I don't like that at all. But it is what it is. We still got some valuable reps out of him and was able to see what we could do with him and able to use him in different ways. All right. Uh, we come in this season and uh, we will be using uh, J.J. As our primary slot wide receiver, like, he's still our starting receiver. Like, when we go, when we come out into with oh, just two receivers, he'll be out there as one of the two receivers. I don't want to think we're only using him in the slot. But when but when uh, we go three wide, he will be our primary slot receiver. Uh, I know from the history of J.J. and how he's played – a lot of people may not be the biggest fan of that, but I'm looking at it from the perspective of how can I use what he does best to be the most successful. And just from me working with JJ, uh, I just feel like he's better suited for the slot in our scheme and, there are uh, 
a few reasons why. Alright, plot twist. There's a limit on here for how long I can go. And I was getting to our hour point, which means I'm talking too much. And I still got a lot to say. But, eh. Despite that, JJ is going to be our primary slot. And there are several reasons why. Alright, number one. One of my favorite coaches is Chip Kelly. I know when I send this to people who are close to me, they're going to laugh. But I don't care. One of my favorite coaches is Chip Kelly. One, when he was coaching the Eagles, which used to be my favorite team. All right. When he was coaching the Eagles, he had a guy in the slot by the name of Jordan Matthews, who was a bigger body guy. And the reason why he had him there is because he understood that with the game changing to more of a spread concept, that there will be smaller, faster guys in the middle. So the bigger guys could out-muscle them because they would have the height and the strength advantage over them in those situations. Because the linebackers will be the linebackers will be uh, slimming down and trying to match the speed in the coverage of the spread or the speed that would be needed to get into the backfield. More so than the muscle and the height and the weight and the of the old like linebackers, like you can you can tell from the linebackers of old and how big they were to the linebackers of now and how slim they are. So a matchup advantage of that is having a bigger body wide receiver who can still move around. And JJ is a guy who's a bigger body wide receiver and he can still move around. And especially with him getting the grab and go ability, I feel like he's going to be perfect in the slot. And with us running the routes that we like to run with him, him going from, uh, what was it, uh, post flag elite to now he's going to, uh, What's it? Uh, the 20s outside the numbers. Like, it's basically the same. So it's like, and then that's a lot of what the slot runs. So it's putting him in the best advantage to be successful. I just feel like he is a guy that we can use multifacetedly. And people forget that he does have the 99 punt return. So he is a guy who has the ability to catch if we want to use him in the slot and him to be that option guy who we run the reverse with. He can still make those kind of plays. And he still has the burst and the agility even at his size to still get open in space. One thing you'll see about J.J. is he has the ability to get open in space. He Like, once he gets the ball... You forget he's 6'5". Like, once he gets it, he's on the move. He's ready to go. And I think that's really underrated in his play. So I think instead of putting him in positions where he always has to make these contested catches because he can't always get the beat deep. Not saying that he can't, but he can't always. Not like the next guy we're going to talk about. Like, he can't always get the beat deep. So put him in the best situation now. To be able to use the skills that he does have. I'm, I'm using them out of the slot. And it is what it is. We're going to see the production. I feel like Pro Bowl at least. Like Pro Bowl will be an understatement. for the, If I can keep him healthy for the whole season. Pro Bowl will be an understatement in the production. That we get out of Joe Jackson. And it is what it is. It might be. If he got 100 catches. I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked. If he got 100 catches out of the slot, I wouldn't be shocked. I just think he's a guy. Not only with his passing ability, 
I mean, well, his catching ability, his blocking ability is outstanding. Outstanding blocking ability. And it really helps. If we want to, whether we want to run on the outside uh, with some of these stretch plays, whether we want to run some of the zone, and we need a guy in the slot just in case we're doing that read option with Brinker and we need a guy in the slot, that that's the guy you got to hold. Sometimes it's that, it's that slot cornerback who makes that tackle on the quarterback because usually your slot wide receiver can't block. He's just a little quick guy with no release, but you need him to be able to run the routes real quick. But if you get a guy right there who can block and hold that slot corner, it's a lot open. It's a lot open for that uh, QB to run with. That's what, that's all I'm saying. Especially when that's the last option, so it's not the one you're planning for. That's all I'm saying. Like Joe Johnson brings a lot to this table. He brings out of that slot position, but in our base, he will still run on the outside. He's still a guy who can maneuver on the outside and make big plays. He's still Joe Johnson, but we just feel like he would be even better out of the slot and. We'll see this season. We'll see this season. We'll if we can keep him healthy. We'll see this season. All right, all right. And then we'll move. We move next to Amari Mayo. Amari Mayo, the guy. All right, the guy. Picking up his X factor this year. All right, Amari Mayo, one of my favorite players on the team. <clears throat> On his offense, one of my guys. It's like the reason why I like him is because he kind of had the same kind of thing as Kenny Steele as far as he came in as a rookie, then he got injured, and he had to come back with the bounce back season. You feel me? And then that third season is when he really, really was like, all right, let's get it. So I think Kenny Steele is going to have that same kind of season where he was injured his rookie season, and he came back, he had the bounce back season, and that third season was kind of like, all right. But, yeah, Amari, his third season was able to pick up the X-Factor ability, all right? And he was able to get grab-and-go. Like, grab-and-go, I feel like it's one of the best, one of the best uh, abilities you can get, like, superstar abilities you can get, like, in the way that we play in simulation, I think it is one of the best. And you can see the effects of it so quick, especially when your guy has the uh, has the skills to go with it. Like, I can tell the difference in how Amari goes with, the, with how J.J. goes, but it's just an amazing, it's an amazing, amazing, amazing ability. And I love it. I love it. And I can't wait to see how it helps him throughout the game. But Amari Manuel... All right, number 17, the best number 17 in the league, even though there's some guy in Memphis that everybody is always talking about. The best deep threat in the RFL is Amari Manuel. And that's just a little bit of what he can do. I don't even want to limit him to that. I think that was one of my biggest mistakes last year was not trying to limit him to that, but trying to make that the primary of what he can do. No, Amari Manuel is an all-around receiver who can do everything, everything, everything. And I love that about Amari is that he can do, if I need him to be the deep threat, he can be the deep threat. If I need him to come across the middle, he can come across the middle. If I need him to just be a, the slant person, he can come through with the slants. West coast. We will West coast you up. If I need him off the bubble screen, 
off the bubble screen, you know, if I got Amari off the bubble screen with Joe Johnson as the lead block, you don't want to see that. You don't want to see that. You don't want to see that. Y'all not ready for that. Amari on the jet sweep. I don't know what it is for Madden to keep bringing people inside. Once Madden fixed that, if Madden just let people run through the hole, like I don't know what its fascination was. Last year, the fascination was running them to the outside. So I guess the thing now should be they overcompensated and now it's running them into the inside. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. It just depends on your player. But on a lot of these jet sweeps, they be just running them to the inside too quick. But... Listen, Amari Emanuel, when they do take it to the outside, you don't want that smoke. Amari Emanuel is, is, listen, I'm going to show you. He's not an X factor for nothing, and we're just going to continue to build that. We're going to sign him first. Our biggest thing is we're going to sign him, and if he don't sign, he getting attacked. Like, y'all not getting Amari. Don't even look this way. If he does not sign with us, he is tagged. Amari is tagged. Amari will be a baron. All right? Clear that. All right? Noah, you hear that? Chrome, Nate Allen, all of y'all. Y'all hear that? Mm-mm. Amari will be a baron. If he does not sign this contract, he is tagged. We're going to work this out. I'm going to offer him more than what he asked me for because I need that man. That man is the GOAT, especially with Brink, especially with Brink having the 99 throw power and Amari having the, the 99 speed. It's a no-brainer. Like, And that connection has been phenomenal in camp. That connection has been phenomenal in camp. Now, we got to see because I know it's going to be adjustments with the slider. So, we got to see how we're going to work that. But, so far, that it's been a beautiful thing to see. It's been a beautiful thing to see. So, we'll see how that continues throughout camp. We still got a, a couple more weeks to do some testing and get things right. All right. So, we'll see. But, Amari has looked wonderful. Amari has looked wonderful in camp. We can't wait to see what he's going to do coming into this season. All right, the competition between him and Joe Johnson has been great. It has been really great. All right, I think that's something that I want to save for the next podcast. The next podcast, I'm going to get more into the training camp. All right, right now I'm just doing uh, the players who we have, giving you an introduction. But we're definitely going to talk about on the next podcast the competition between Amari and uh, Joe Johnson and how that has looked in camp. But I just want to say uh, both of these guys, we expect big things from going into the season, and I can't wait to see them on the field. All right? All right, next we have Jackson Hunter. All right, now I drafted Jackson Hunter. In the fifth round, and he surprised me for what I would, for what he turned out to be in the fifth round. Like, don't get me wrong, I believe in my scouting, but he definitely surprised me for what I was getting in the fifth round, and I was happy for that. I was definitely happy for that. And he was somebody who was in the wake of Joe Johnson getting hurt. He was someone who was very, very productive for us, like very, very, very productive for us, and. I respect Jackson Hunter. Like, I really, really respect Jackson Hunter. All right? Now, that does not take away the fact that there were times, like, we're talking about another receiver on the list, Xavier Ballard. Like, he wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for the trials and tribulations that I've gone through with Jackson Hunter. Like, it's times that he's looked amazing, and it's times that he looked, like, horrible, like, trash, like, trash can emoji. For anyone who knows me, trash can emoji, like, it's, it's, I just, 
I don't know. But as things progress and I continue to build him up, like he's gotten better. And it's like from that, from the end of the season, how I felt about him, the plays that he made when I went back and watched over the season, as I really, really looked at it and like I realized like maybe I was just added too much expectation on him because I knew what we were missing from uh losing Joe Johnson and then at the same time the team was like not performing at the level well my coaching was leading our team not to perform at the level at which we should perform and I was just looking for any reason to just be upset about anything. And when I really went back and looked at it I saw like hey plays were being made and then as we rolled over into this man and we rolled into the camp jumped off the screen. Jumped off the screen. Like, jumped, jumped off the screen. Like, jumped off the screen. I don't know what it is about Jackson Hunter, but he just is, he's been a silent, he's been a silent killer. And the thing about him is he does have star development. So it's like he's right on the edge and possibly could have been, with a little better performance, he probably could have picked up Superstar last year. Like it, it wasn't out of, it wasn't out of consideration. It wasn't out of consideration at all from the aspect of things that were happening. But it's something that I definitely feel like he can do this year. I definitely feel like it's something that he can do this year. And if we add him, superstar, especially with them getting abilities at lower overalls now. But like we add him to the superstar with Amari and with Joe Johnson, I think we will become. One of the most feared offenses in the RFL. Like, I don't know who, I guess it would be the Celtic Tigers just because they got Drake Corral, a.k.a. the GOAT. So they say, so Smitty says. But, like, outside of that, like, I don't know who would be the offense that you don't want to see. So I don't see why that can't be us. And I feel like it's looking like it. That's my goal. I feel like we should be the offense that you don't want to see. And I feel like uh, Jackson Hunter is doing an incredible job of, one, allowing us to play the players in the position that we want to play them. One of the reasons why we feel so comfortable with J.J. in the slot is Hunter on the outside. But he's also been doing a good job of being more of an asset than a liability, which is a lot to expect from younger guys, especially with guys with overalls, that aren't as high as you would expect them. Not as high as their play. Like, when you look at how he's productive and then you look at his overall, like, he's a very, very key guy. And he's somebody that we want to continue to build, especially with this only being his second year. He's 21, 22. Like, he's definitely a guy that we can build and continue moving forward with. So, we love what we've seen from him in camp, and we hope to continue to see more. And he will definitely be getting a lot of playing time this uh, preseason, and he's also a guy that we've used in a slot as well and got production from just in case, matchup-wise, you want to put J.J. back on the outside, we can swap him in, alright? And then the next few guys that I'm going to talk about are also guys that we can put out or put in the slot, alright? And in, in just in the event that something happens or we want to have that uh, matchup. So first we're going to start with uh, Marcel Echo. And uh, Marcel Echo is a guy that we picked up. This will be his first year in the RFL. 
And uh, he was the guy that we picked up just because we liked, one, his attributes, but then we also liked his performance in, uh, quote-unquote, his conference during that time. Like, when we looked at his stats through the simulation, because those games are basically just sim games. Like, eh, we just run through it. Like, they're not even played. It's just, like, whatever the computer says because they're all, quote-unquote, NFL games. So just looking at the stats and looking at the accolades and him being, I think he was number two in wide receiver in a year. Uh, the guy who was number one, I'm not sure if he dropped as a free agent or we just didn't like his overall. But it was, he was a, Marcel Echo was a guy who stood out for us and we felt like with him, especially playing out of the slot when we looked at his uh, position on his NFL team at the time. So, uh we felt like he was the guy that we could bring into the slot because our original our our original plan was to be able to move all our receivers around. So if you wanted to keep JJ on the outside, we would have another guy in the slot who could still make plays. And Echo continues to be that guy. He is a guy who will play in the slot and who can make those plays. All right. Well, he's competing to play in the slot and he has made those plays. All right. Uh, he's competing against Xavier Ballot. Uh, Xavier Ballard was a guy that we picked up in free agency last year, kind of mid-season in the whole looking for guys, because we just had Amari, we had Hunter, who was kind of streaky at the time, and then it was just a bunch of guys after J.J. went down. So we were just looking for another guy, and he was a guy who really came in and made plays. Uh, one of the most notable plays was the Jack Winkler uh, Hail Mary against the Explorers. He was the receiver who caught it. So Ballard, Ballard came in and made plays, and really he had a good job. He did a good job, or he had a knack for finding the ball. And you can never have too many guys like that. So he's a guy who we have. He will continue to compete uh, with Echo in the slot position. And uh, Ballard is also a guy who will be competing for some reps on the outside. But so is Echo. Uh, we like Ballard's size a little bit more than Echo, with Echo being 5'8", uh, 5'7", five, five, and uh, Ballard being about, I want to say, 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, so those kind of measurables, like I do prefer taller receivers, especially when you have a guy with a stronger arm, just because they're easier targets than the littler, littler guys, especially with the trajectory of the faster passes. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But I do like what Echo has been able to do when he get his hand when he gets his hands on the ball, and I also like what uh, Ballard was able to do last year, and hopefully we'll get a little bit more reps. Uh, from him going into uh, the Arfield preseason and going into uh, more training camps. We have put him in a little bit, but with us testing our newer guys and testing on a limited basis, like though we do run second team, we haven't run it as frequently as our first team. And Ballard has received limited first team reps just because uh, the slot is Joe Johnson at the moment he's our primary slot so with us wanting to see echo with us wanting to see uh schofield who we talk about next and also uh us wanting to see spate uh in these positions competition has been competition has been deep so we had to take more looks at Ballard on the outside so we're definitely looking at that we're definitely looking at that 
All right. So as we move forward, we brought in uh, Darrell Schofield, another martial slash wizard uh, that we brought in. Uh, the main reason why we brought in uh, Schofield was special teams. Uh, to be our primary returner, we wanted a return competition. Uh, we lost Jordan Navork, who was a returner for us. Uh, we we did we do still have Spate, and we have several guys for our team who can return for us. But we just felt like we needed a guy who could be dynamic and consistent, and so we can invest, knowing like, okay, this is our guy. He'll make the plays. Uh, so we brought in Schofield. We like what we saw from him on the tape uh, from the Marshalls game, especially uh, he played against us, and he was able to make a couple decent returns. It's like, okay, it's like sometimes you just see guys turn, whether it's a one-yard return to a five-yard return, every little yard counts. So you just see the way guys play. So you just imagine what they were doing in different situations. And he was just one of those guys that – I liked. We brought him in. I also felt like he had some ability to play like on the slot, but also as a guy who could be a deep threat for us. If something were to happen to Amari, we would need another guy who we felt like could get over the top. And we felt like uh, Schofield had the ability to get over the top. Uh, we do also have Hunter, who we feel like can get over the top. We also have JJ, who we feel like can get over the top. But we just still wanted to have another guy who we just knew that we could put out there and get over the top. But we also wanted a guy who we knew if we wanted to run more of those screens or more of those uh, jet sweeps, we had a guy who in open space we feel like could make moves and make plays and be kind of a... I don't want to say a gadget guy, but still playing like how he plays without changing what we do as a team or what he does as a player. You know what I'm saying? So that's one thing that we really liked about uh, Schofield. And that's also one thing that we really like about uh, Spate. That's why we brought him in last year. We were also able to build him up, get him in a little faster. So he's a guy who he's battling with Schofield. He's battling with Echo. He's battling with Ballard, all four uh, roster spots on this team. And, uh, he is one of the guys who does have the luxury to be able to compete for special teams as well as for a receiver. But he's also a guy that we like what he does. And we may give him a little more action on the outside. I'm not really sure. I like him better as a slot. But it's just trying to get guys. We want guys who can do as much as possible. So we're not limited into guys. Like I, don't, I would rather have... Three reserves who could play every spot, then two reserves who could play at the outside, and one who could play the slot. You know what I'm saying? So we'll see how it goes through the testing. Uh, we'll see how it goes through the testing. So far, I would say Schofield is winning our our special teams uh, races. We have given Spate. Uh, a lot of opportunities will keep moving people around, keep switching them in and out to see how the performances change. Uh, we even took time to, to sit Schofield for a couple weeks, really, for a couple weeks, and just let things go and then bring them back. And he just did, does what he does. So I feel like he may win out in camp. He's winning so far, but we'll see how things go and see how things progress as 
uh, the season progresses and the preseason progresses and things like that. All right. So next, we're moving on to our tight end position. Uh, our tight end position is, I don't want to say a tricky position. I feel like it's a position that I'm very confident in, but on paper may not look the strongest. So I know, like, how a coach sees their team and then how, like, the analysts see their team may be, like, totally different. But when I look at my tight end room, I'm very confident in what I see, but that doesn't change the fact that I will probably try to add another tight end in free agency. Not because I feel like the ones I have are lacking, but just because I feel like what with what we run, we may need another. You know what I'm saying? And we'll see how that goes because I know you can only hold so many people on the roster. And I don't want to get too hype. I don't want to get too hype, but we'll see how that goes. All right, so we'll start off with uh, the GOAT, the legend, Patrick Bain. All right, our pro, all RFL tight end, Patrick Bain. You know what I'm saying? All right, and first he's coming into a contract year, which is going to be tricky. All right, it's going to be really tricky. I, I really want to sign him back. I really want to sign him back, but I want to get him at a reasonable price but I don't want to lose him I don't want to lose him because he's a key player on the team he's a very key player on the team and not going to be easy to replace at all and I'm pretty sure they even try to get anybody half as nice as what it'll take to replace him unless I draft tremendously like I'm going to have to pay them probably more than what he's going to ask me for so we're going to do whatever we can do to negotiate a contract with Patrick Bain because we already know that our franchise tag will be extended to Amari. Like, Amari is, we're keeping Amari no matter what. Like, because he's an X-Factor, he's the younger guy, but at the same time, it's like, Patrick Bain is a barren staple. He is a... Uh, RFL staple, he's a great tight end, and he's not just the type of guy you let walk. Like, he's a weapon that you have to. You, I, I, we want to keep Patrick Bain on our team, no matter what it takes, all right? Uh, we definitely like the abilities that Patrick Bain acquired for us this season, and we want to put those to work. We think those will work very well in the offense that we plan to run because we know uh, there will be times where we will definitely be tight end heavy. Uh, tight ends are crucial in this offense, uh, blocking and receiving. Uh, they have to be a threat. Uh, the threat of the tight end opens up everyone else in the offense. <clears throat> uh, so if your tight end is not above and beyond, I don't want to say above and beyond, like, because you can work with serviceable tight ends, but it's just, you can just tell how different players affect the same playbook. And having a tight end of this caliber really helps us in what we're trying to do. And we want to continue to have that success and continue to have it with Patrick Brain. And we want him to retire at Baron. All right. Behind him, we have uh, Trey Stelts. I call him Stilts because he's 6'8, uh, 260. Uh, this is our second year with him. We picked him up. We picked him up in my first offseason as a Baron. He was somebody that I feel like would be, one, somebody that we can grow behind Bane. 
Uh, and then two, a good compliment to him as a pass catcher because he brings a lot of the same kind of traits. I think one thing about both Maine and uh, Stouts that uh, a lot of people don't take into consideration is the release. Tight end release is crucial. It's crucial. People think release is just how your player gets off of press coverage, but release is also how crisp you hit those routes. Like you can have certain route the route runner to determine like one like answer how good you hit your route, like how hard you hit your out, how hard you hit your end. But your release affects how the person across from you reacts to you hitting that route. Like release Getting off, getting off the player, even if it's like y'all had the same man or the the man and route match up, and he's with you when you hit that cut. But how you take off from that cut in comparison to how they take off to that cut, it's gonna be crucial. Like how you get off your defender is crucial. Even in them scramble situations, how you get off your defender is crucial. And having good tight end release is crucial. And a lot of people don't really. Rock with me on that, and I don't care. But when you look at my team, that's one thing that I really focus on, and I feel like I have very, very good tight ends. And I got another stat I'm gonna talk about in the next group. But right now, we're gonna finish with uh, we're gonna finish with Brandon Jones. Even though we're gonna talk about stuff a little bit too, I think uh, not not just not just uh, the release, but uh, medium route running is a very crucial crucial stat for tight ends. And with Stelts having a 77 route running over the middle, even though he's still, quote-unquote, a lower overall player, I think his attributes in those key spots make him very, very productive in the things that we need him to do. And he'll definitely be a miss, uh, a miss, a mix match. I always mess that up. But he'll definitely be somebody you got to uh, watch for and you can't sleep on. Definitely. All right, and then when we move on to Brandon Jones, Brandon Jones is a guy who gives us a lot of the, he gives us fullback vibes. Uh, we kind of see him as more of our short yardage tight end, like uh, get the ball and run with it type of guy. Like a, you'll see a lot of flats. He's not a guy. We're not saying that he's not a guy who can't run these routes and be effective over the middle because he has the speed and ability to do it. I just feel like. It's underrated to have a tight end that's good in space. He's just a tight end that we feel like is good in space. And what is going into more of our three tight end sets with the playbook that we're using, uh, I think more people will see that. And I think he'll make some big plays for us this year. And, and then also, uh, we would definitely be in the market for another tight end. Maybe two if we can find a practice squadable guy. We might put him on a practice squad, but I really feel like we need at least one more on the roster. Uh, we'll see how we keep this balance. We're going to find a way to try to get everybody on here. I know there's a certain way that I want to break it up. That's why versatility has been very key right now. So I know who I can put where and what I can do what just so we can keep. We can get everybody on here that we need to get on here without without lacking anywhere. But I feel like that fourth tight end might be something that we have to carry. It's going to be difficult because we have a fullback too, and we have like four or three or four running backs. So we'll see how that goes. I do have two running backs that I can put on the practice squad. So, But I don't really want to put either one of them on there. So we'll see how that goes. We'll see how that goes. But I really feel like that fourth tight end is going to be crucial for us. All right. 
And then uh, next we're going to move into our offensive line. All right. Offensive line never gets no love. Never gets no rap. Even the good offensive line never really gets any love for real. But with me, I feel like I have one of the most balanced lines in the RFL. I'm not going to say I have the best line in the RFL. Even though I feel that way as a coach. And I haven't really looked over too many lines. But I know uh, the Explorers have a solid line. I know the Snowhawks have a solid line. Like, when I look at overalls. But, like, I don't know. I just feel like as far as performance, I have one of the best lines in the league. And I feel like we'll show it. I feel like performance-wise, we'll show it. All right, I'm going to start with my uh, tackles. We're going to start on our left side, left tackle. Uh, first, we have Alan Trotter. Alan Trotter was an acquisition from the Explorers. Uh, at the beginning of my tenure, he was someone who I was a big fan of when I saw him on the trading block. Uh, he just had a lot of the measurables that I thought that were important for where I was going to play him. Uh, I knew immediately when I got him, I was going to move him to left tackle just because, one, I liked his size. Pause, you feel me? I liked his height and weight. Uh, he was 6'8", about 330, but he still had enough. If I'm not mistaken, I say he has the best change of direction on my team. Still being about 6'8", uh, 330. I mean, that's out of my linemen, not on my whole team. But I feel like he has the best change of direction out of all my linemen. Like, that's the kind of, like, he's a wall. He's really a wall. Like, if you... When you look at what's going to matter as far as play and you look past the actual the actual attributes uh, or the actual overall and really look at how the players are going to play, I feel like Alan Trotter is a very underrated tackle in this league. He's somebody that we want to continue to build around. I'm glad that we have him for a couple of years. And I think he's going to have another solid uh performance for us i think he did outstanding in our first game against the thunderbirds when he was up against isaiah ingram i think he's going to continue to have that same kind of success this year i think uh he'll play a little steeper competition this year he'll be playing a lot more balanced guys this year i would hope i would assume and I think that because of that, uh, his performance is really going to stand out more and he'll get a lot more acknowledgement for how he plays than how many may see him just looking at him on paper. All right. And I feel like I feel like that with a lot of my line. I feel like that with a lot a lot of my line. All right. Uh next moving on to uh Sanchez Warford. He is a younger guy. He's uh, 25. He's younger than me because I prefer older linemen. Uh, if you look at my line, a lot of them are 27 plus, like older guys. Like That's what I prefer with my line because I feel like you'll get more stability and I feel like they regress better as far as the players are matter. Like even though the older guys get hit like an old guy, getting hit is still a decent guy. Like he might be like, hey, he was an eighty five, he gets hit a little bit. Now he's a seventy nine. Even as that seventy nine overall, like the things that may drop 
in comparison to the things that are most important, he's still going to be a very, very serviceable guy. And those are the type of guys that I like. And I just happen to have a group of guys who are above being just those serviceable vests that are falling. Like they're, they're guys who have, they're stable guys, sturdy guys. They can be built. But at the same time, they don't need much, just maybe a little polish here and there. But they're all guys that I feel confident in and that if nothing happened to them for the rest of their RFL career, I would keep them because I like them that much. I think they're that nice. Like, you don't, they don't have to get any better. I would prefer it as a coach. You always want your team to get better, and I feel like I'm good at building teams. We shall see. We shall see. But I feel like I'm good at building teams. And... I would prefer them to continue to get better. But they don't have to, and I would still keep them in there. All right? But next to back to Sanchez Walford, he is a younger guy, 25, a guy that I can continue to build up behind the scenes. And if I have to put him in, he would be a serviceable guy. He is good depth. Uh, he was good depth for us last year when we needed him to be. I'm not asking him to go out there and be an all-pro. But as far as how our offense moves, I feel like he will not be a major liability in the pass game or the run game. I feel like he gives us enough balance where we can still do what we have to do. It may not be at the capacity of if Trotter was there, but I feel like we will still be able to do what we have to do. All right. Uh, next, when we move over to our left guard, we have uh, Wesley Maynard. I like I like Maynard. I really, really like Maynard. We had him at tackle last year. We moved him in the guard just because I like his athleticism and I wanted to get more speed. I wanted to get more speed pulling to help Kenny when we run these powers and we run these zones. But I also wanted to get a guy in the interior who could uh, hold up pass-wise because I felt like even though I, I like Rob Bauman in the role that he played for us last year, I feel like one of our weaknesses was interior uh, protection. He gave us a lot of uh, sacks and pressures for us right up the middle. So we wanted a guy that we could put there. Uh, that was originally going to be Lane Printers, but it was just something about uh, Lane Printers that we wanted on the outside, which we will talk about more once we get to our right tackles uh, segment. But we moved <clears throat> Maynard from right tackle to left guard in order to get more production and get more umph when we pull uh, from our guard position and to get more force in the run game, but at the same time get better protection in the pass game. All right? And then behind uh, Maynard, we have Stuart Thompson, who we drafted, who is another guy that we want to continue to build up, and he's the guy that we feel like we can put everywhere along the line. I feel like at guard, he has to speed, he has to pass block, he has to run block to be a solid guard, but he's also somebody that if you want to slide him in the tackle, he can be serviceable, we can put him over there, and he wouldn't be a major liability. We could put him at center, and he could be sturdy, he wouldn't be a major liability. He's a guy we can move up and down the line, and I like to have a line full of guys that we can just move up and down the line. The only one stationary guy I feel like we have is Trotter, but he's stationary at the place where I want him to be stationary, which is left tackle. And so I don't want to have to worry about that. And I feel like with Trotter there, I don't have to worry about that. All right. So we have Stuart Thompson. He's someone that we wanted to groom. We, we drafted him this year. 
He's someone that we want to groom. We want to continue to build. And in the preseason, uh, you may see him in several different positions as uh, the games progress. All right. Uh, next, we move to center. All right. Shout out to my brother, my brother Malcolm. All right. At center, we have Big Mal- Malcolm Lawson. And when I talk about staples of the team, Malcolm Lawson is one of the staples of the team. Uh, very, 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 very crucial to the success of this offense. Whether it's passing or rushing. It all starts with the center. Like It all starts with the center, but just the work that he's consistently put in over the time, over the course of his career, like Malcolm Lawson is a foundation. And I don't even have a backup center because, like, it don't matter. Like, Big Malk is right there. Like, Big Malk, he's been there. Sturdy guy. He holds it together. Like, of course, we're going to look for a backup in the in the, in the the free agency. But we know the guy. We have our guy. We have our leader. He's one of the guys who... Is going to be a captain on our offense. I, I'm, I guarantee he's going to be a captain. It might be him. It might be Kenny. And then we'll work on the third guy. We'll work on the third guy. It'll be a competition. And we might have Bane be the third guy just because he's the vet. So, But Big Malk is somebody we know who's the captain of this offense. He, he's key on this team. Key on this team. All right. And we'll work on finding his backup. He's getting older. He's 29. We might need to start working on finding someone we can groom behind him. But that might be ended up being one of the guys we already have. And maybe Thompson or, or maybe Walford. All right. So we'll see how that goes. We'll see how that goes. All right. So next we're going to move over to right guard. Our starting right guard is uh, Patrick Wynn. All right. Patrick Wynn has been a guy who's uh, he's been up and down. He's in a tremendous, 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 tremendous run blocker. And that's why we have him at guard. He was at tackle when I acquired the team and we moved him over to guard. And I felt like he had a, a much more successful uh, stint. So that's why we want to keep him and uh, continue to grow him. But he's an excellent round blocker. He has excellent speed for pulling. Uh, his strength, it may not be what you would want for your typical lineman, but for the way we play and for how aggressively and how well he does the other things that has not been a big factor as far as what we need to get done. So, uh, we, we have been working to build his, uh, pass blocking, uh, not saying that it isn't good, right? But with his run blocking being so exceptional, it makes his pass blocking, even though it's still good, not look as good when it's next to those kind of stats. So you want to you want to balance your player. You want him to be good as good as a pass blocker as he is a run blocker. So we've been working to build that. And uh, as one of our pass blocking guards, I feel like he's been he's been a decent guy. We understand that uh, we want to put him around guys. So if he's in double team situations, he he'll have that help. So it's always good. We try to put him in the best position. That's why we keep him on the uh, right and not on the left. We just feel like it's better for him as far as getting that secondary help if needed. But he's definitely somebody that we want to continue to build on. And when it comes to the run game, also keeping him on the right, if we decide to run that way, he is a force. And 
bro, I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see the work he puts in. I can't, especially next to uh, Lane. All right, but behind him we have Jerome Bessler, and Jerome Bessler was a veteran that I saw in uh one my first free agency. He was just a veteran that I saw, and I felt like he had good measurables. I knew that he wouldn't get better, but I knew that he wouldn't get too much worse, and that's very key when you're just looking to have guys for depth that you know if you have to depend on them, you can. And he was a guy that I felt like I can move him back and forth. Like, even now, if I had to have a guy at center, I think I could feel comfortable sliding Bessler over the center if I don't keep a center on the roster in order to keep maybe this fourth tight end. So, I like Bessler. I like that he's a veteran. So, he veterans just play different than younger guys, whether – their awareness is the highest or the lowest it's just something about i don't know what it is but veterans just play a little different so i like having them there i like having that one vet because all our other depth is more on the younger side so it's good to have him i'm glad he's there uh he's definitely gonna get some looks in the preseason probably at center and guard honestly uh i don't know if i'll try him at tackle with his age, we'll take a look at it. We'll take a look at it a little bit in camp, but as far as game reps, it'll be more center and guard. More center and guard. All right. Uh, from Bessler, from Jerome, we're going to move on to uh, Lane Printers, who we picked up from the Condors. As you know, we picked him up as the left guard, and then we moved him over to right tackle. Uh, we moved him over to right tackle because we felt like with his athleticism and his blocking ability, he was the closest attribute-wise kind of to uh, Alan Trotter as far as the guys that we can put over there and still have faith that he could hold up. The only thing we kind of worried about was his weight. I think he's only like three, maybe 304, maybe 310. Like I, We worry about his weight, but considering just the style of the game and the way guys play now and how we imagine us playing, uh, we felt like it wouldn't be too much of a liability. We'll see. We'll see. Because if need be, we can always switch him and uh, Maynard back. Maynard has a little bit more weight and has played that tackle before. But so far, we like what uh, Lane Printers is bringing to us on the outside. Uh, not only in the pass game, but uh, in the run game as far as pulling uh, block recognition. Uh, you definitely, you definitely, he definitely stands out, especially being the new guy and me seeing the chemistry that my guys had, uh, seeing what he brings to the table and how it helps unifies the, the group all together is something that I really, really like. Something that I really, really like. So we'll see how that continues to grow. He's definitely somebody I feel like we can keep at least for uh I say three to four years somebody we can work with. He's uh what, 27, 28 now, so get him into his thirties, his early thirties, see how he wants to move from there, but he's definitely somebody I feel like that we can work with. Uh and then Lastly, as far as our prospects, we have our we have a tackle that we picked up in free agency. His name is uh, Julian Poyer. All right, he also comes with a uh, star depth, so he was someone that we felt like that we could build. Uh, one of the biggest themes you may have heard, as I've been discussing my line, of we've been looking for guys that we can build behind the guys that we have, and I feel like we set ourselves up good with one. 
uh, drafting Stuart uh, Thompson, him being the younger guy, but him being more of a balanced guy for how we build him. And then two, being able to get Julian Poyer with him being having the star dev and still being the younger guy. I think he is somebody that we can continue to build. And uh, he's more of a pass blocker than a run blocker. So we'll take a look at switching him over to left. We're not sure yet. We just kind of want to see how a little bit more of the camp goes, a little bit more how preseason goes, seeing him against uh, more RFL competition, whether it is the backups or not. So we'll take a look at things like that. But he is somebody that we're definitely interested in growing. Uh, he even gives us a lot of the attributes, or, or not attributes, but a lot of the athleticism and qualities that we get in Allen Trotter. So it's really, really looking like we'll probably move him over to that side. But we do not want to waste his development just in case. Uh, there was, we did have an offer, or we did have a trade in the works. Uh, during the offseason where we were thinking about trading one of our linemen, I will not I will not say any names and I will not say which team we were talking about. The coaches may know, but the fans may not. But in that event we had Poyer who we were not afraid of putting in and having him get his development through those bumps and bruises and scheming around that. But as long as uh, we have the guys that we have now, it gives us more time for us to let him grow and let him build and we're definitely not against that. We're definitely not against that. All right. So that is a look at who we've picked up or not who we picked up, but just a breakdown of who is on our offense. All right. And with these acquisitions, uh, we would definitely be moving more towards uh, one run first offense, but definitely the pistol uh, we will be using a lot more pistol. As you know, we're using the Ravens playbook. And uh, one of the biggest things about us using the pistol that I really, really want to utilize is the lack of tails. Uh, just not being able to pinpoint the direction of where the play can go if we decide to run, if we decide to pass, who's going to run, who's going to pass. Like, you never, it, it just opens up, it opens up, the playbook really it just it just opens things up it opens up how we can attack it changes the way teams have to defend us because you never really know you never really know so not only when i say the pistol do i mean that we'll be using the pistol scheme as far as how we attack there are different schemes that you can use the pistol will be one of the schemes that we will implement but also the formation even when we go in schemes that aren't the pistol you will still see the pistol formation even though we may be trying to attack in a different way with that formation, the tails, because we're in that formation, really changes the way that the defense addresses us. And it's something that I really, really love, especially with the players that we have. Especially with the players that we have. All right? So... We'll definitely begin. We'll definitely talk more and more and more about this. I feel like this is about two hours long. Two hours long, maybe. So, yeah, we're gonna. I'm gonna cut this one short. Haha, <laughs> joke. You feel me? But anyway, on the next episode, we're gonna talk about the 
training camp sessions that we've had so far, the things that we've liked, the things that we don't like. We're going to talk about uh, the position battles that we have going in the camp. And we might talk a little bit about our plans going into the preseason, depending on when the next episode is released, because the RFL season is not too far away. It's not too far away. All right? So thank you for listening. If you stayed through all this, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. All right? If you stayed through all of this, tag me in the Discord with the crown so I know you was really supporting not only me but the Brooklyn Barons, the RFL, the true fans of what Smitty has going on. Man, the greatness of the league and I just can't wait to show you what the Barons what we are going to bring to this league next year. I'm so hyped for my team. I'm trying to stay cool, calm, and collected, but I'm big hype. I'm big hype. And y'all just wait. As you see, we have more uh, media, more content coming out on Twitter, giving you a little bit of an inside look of what's going on. Uh, we'll continue to do that as I get more photos and uh, more edits done. Uh so stay on the light. I'm really trying to figure out. It's one thing that I really want to try to do. I'm trying to figure out who I can talk to about how to do it. But I don't want to say it and then somebody else beats me to it. And then it's their idea now. And I look like a loser. So I'm going to do that. I'm working towards doing it. And we'll see how it goes. And I'll keep you all posted. All right. But definitely look out. Baron's RFL Twitter. Baron RFL, uh, Baron's underscore RFL on Instagram. Look out for us. Tune in. Follow. Like the pictures. I'll like back. I'll follow back. Thank you for listening to this podcast. All right. Protect the crown. Earn your stripes. Go Barons. Gorilla Gang. Oh, yeah. We need to get that logo reveal. Get the Barons on the logo reveal. We're going to be one and done. Just get us out the way, Smitty. You know, as soon as they see the Bears name up, they're going to be like, we definitely want to see that. You feel me? Yeah. Bomb Squad. Gorilla Gang. All right. This your boy, Roland Woods. Coach Roland Woods of the Brooklyn Barons Relocation Football League. And I am out.